Good morning, and welcome to episode 176 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you doing? Very well. Did you watch, uh, did you see Jose Fernandez at all? No, I was out, uh, but I was watching on my phone as he struck out more and more people. How did his stuff look on the phone? (laughs) Uh, I could not tell. You know, I, I actually have an idea for a piece that I've wanted to get to for a really long time. In fact, I wanted to do it for my second ever piece for Baseball Prospectus two years ago, but I've never gathered everybody together. But what I want to do is take a pitcher who um, we all know nothing about, so like probably a September call-up that we've never heard of, and have one person watch the game on TV, one person listen on the radio, one person watch from the field, one person watch just look at the pitch FX and describe the pitcher and see how different our descriptions are of him. Mm-hmm. It's fun. a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. So you were it's watching, fun. I assume? I wasn't. I just went and watched the uh, the highlights, mm-hmm. the, you know, Jose Fernandez Major League debut yeah. on MLB.com, and I cannot possibly believe that that's real. <laughs> he. I also can't believe that he is not the number one prospect in baseball. I can't believe that he's not a bigger deal than Matt Moore was a year ago. Uh-huh. It is unthinkable how good he looked. Hmm. I mean, I only saw 11 pitches, and they were specifically chosen. They were all chosen. strikeouts. <laughs> they were all strikeouts, but you should see how far behind his fastball these guys were. I mean, they were will see that. hysterically behind his fastball. Really <laughs> incredible. I mean, it's like a, it's a, it is like the fastest 97 that you'll ever see. It was. Really awesome. It cool. was great. Well, that is absolutely a worthwhile highlight to go watch. Reason to watch the Marlins. That's good. For like like two more starts or something, right? Uh, he'll, he'll get replaced by the much more I don't know that reliable Nathan Eovaldi. You'd think so, but they haven't. I don't know. They seem to sort of suggest that he was maybe uh, up for good or that they would cross that bridge when they got to it or something. I, I don't know. Jason... Talked about it on his podcast and thought he would be up for the year. Uh, and I heard an interview with a Marlins beat writer who said that he might very well be up for the year. So I don't know. I'm, certainly if he has a couple more starts like that, it would be hard to send him down, I guess. Why do you suppose um, the Marlins don't care about service time when everybody else does? Do you do you think there's anything to the idea that they figure well, they're they, going to trade him? They have in the, in the past cared about service time i think with with stanton and and cabrera i think uh i think they did the service time thing hold a guy down to miguel cabrera yeah i think so well miguel Miguel cabrera was a child at the time right i mean well but i don't know maybe that's not a good defense i don't know i I think there's some precedent for them caring about it the the interview i was listening to it was on keith law's uh podcast and he was talking to clark spencer i think marlin's beat writer uh, and he speculated that it was a PR move, mostly, that the Marlins have just had such an awful offseason. Their fans are making fun of them just as much as everyone else is. And and so he, he thought it was sort of a, a PR thing to give people a reason to watch the Marlins and maybe to make the Marlins look like they care a little less about saving money. But 
I don't know. It's kind of strange considering how cheap they've been in every other area that they wouldn't just hold him down for a, a little while. Uh, I mean, he's so young, so inexperienced, and the Marlins aren't going to win this year. So it seems like the perfect time to, to play some service time games. And they wouldn't even be service time games. No one expected him to be up. So Right. It's no one no one expected him. Right. I mean, he wasn't even going to be in AAA, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess if you're trying to build some sort of plausible deniability about your sinister motives, I mean, this is a pretty cheap way to say, hey, look, we did a thing that was you know patently irrational right. if you're just talking about a money-saving you know, team. Uh, so I guess in that sense, it's very cheap. It's a very cheap way of, of having, buying something to point to. It's like a nice token thing that they can do. Uh, but also, I mean, what, how much goodwill can it possibly build? I mean, it's this, it seems like if you're going to invest your money in PR stuff, probably like a year from now when things quiet down might be more effective. Miguel Cabrera, by the way, debuted on June 20th and, Giancarlo Stanton debuted on June 8th, and mm-hmm. that's totally right in that suspicious zone. So yeah. I, I now assume that both of those are completely service time decisions. Yes. Anyway, uh, and, you know, the other thing is that Jose Fernandez will pitch. I mean, he'll be on a fairly – I assume he'll be on a fairly strict innings limit. I like think he'll they maybe, said 150 to 170. So if – I wonder what – if he goes 150 by, like, the – end of july or like mid-august say mid-august do they send him down at that point uh, or like what do you do with him because you don't give him a you don't waste a 25 man roster spot mm-hmm. on him i guess you dl him you figure out a reason to dl him with some sort of tired arm or something but i wonder if they send him down and then keep him from hitting free agency because as long as he spends two weeks sometime in the season mm-hmm. in the minors he won't hit free agency for an extra year he'll be a super two but he won't hit free agency till the end of the year so you don't have to do it or i mean until after another year so you don't have to do that at the beginning of the year they could figure hey we're not going to keep him on the roster all year anyway yeah good point they could do that all right well that's not what we're here to talk about today is it no not primarily um, so we're going to talk about Jose Bautista, who uh, was, well, where I heard about this was Ken Rosenthal sternly lecturing him to, to, to chill out. I wonder if Ken Rosenthal will take over Peter Gammon's place as the sort of designated lecturer, the, the sort of one person who has the, the moral credibility mm-hmm. to tell somebody to chill out mm-hmm. uh, when Gammon's is, is no longer doing it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh uh, Batista has a, a bit of a war going on with umpires. Uh, he seems to think that he is being, um, if not picked on, certainly the victim of bad umpiring. And um, you wrote about this. I you did. wrote about this this weekend. You looked at whether uh, Batista gets worse calls than the average player. And mm-hmm. what did you find? He does not. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he he said some things. Um, Basically, he he implied, I guess, that that uh, maybe calls are not going his way because he is so demonstrative when he disagrees with a call, and he says uh, he understands umpires make mistakes now and then, uh, but he said seven or eight times out of ten that he disagrees with an umpire when he goes back and looks at the video, he concludes that he was right, uh, and so he. 
I don't know. He Well, he said just because one guy reacts more than the other, then every single time there's a close pitch, it's a strike. Or are you going to go by the parameters defined by Major League Baseball? What's a strike and what's a ball? I'll let you decide what's right and what's wrong on that one. Uh, so, yeah, I look to, to see if if more pitches outside the strike zone are called strikes on him and more or fewer pitches inside the strike zone are called balls. And nope, uh, he gets more favorable calls than the average the average batter or the average non-pitcher batter um, over the, the period of time that I looked at, which was the past three years, which is sort of the relevant time for Jose Batista when everyone has known who he is. Uh, and it has changed a little bit in each of each of the last two seasons. He has gotten slightly less favorable calls, which perhaps could be some sort of trend as, as word spreads that he is a difficult guy to deal with for umpires, but uh, there's no real conclusive evidence to suggest that. Even last year, he was basically getting a, a league average strike zone. So... I mean, I, I understand um, he basically said I am a, a competitive guy and it bothers me when this happens more than more than the average player. Uh, and I, I guess, I mean, if if that's kind of the downside to his hyper competitiveness, which probably plays a part in his being such a good player, then that's probably worth it. I guess for for Toronto, uh, and there was some talk. John Gibbons was kind of worried that there would be payback, whether whether in Batista's at bats or in his teammates, and that calls would go against the Blue Jays. And he actually talked to him about it after an incident this spring, uh, and that's always possible. There's it's pretty hard to to prove that that's not happening, but. I don't know. It it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I guess I guess it's it's kind of annoying maybe to watch it if you're a Blue Jays fan and you have to see your star player freaking out about calls that are usually pretty acceptable. Uh, the 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 two particular calls that he was upset about in this in this most recent game, it was the the Blue Jays opener on Tuesday, were pretty pretty defensible calls. Pretty fine calls. One of them was within the the rule book strike zone, and the other was just barely outside it. But it was a 3-0 count and a pitch in that location on a 3-0 count when when umpires call the strike zone bigger is pretty much almost always a strike. So he kind of has a point that umpires don't call the rule book strike zone. Uh, they don't. It's 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 the the actual strike zone that they call is kind of an ellipse, whereas the the rule book strike zone is a rectangle, uh, and the actual strike zone that they call shrinks and grows depending on the count, which is not something the rule book strike zone does. So, in that sense, I guess you kind of have a complaint if you if you want to complain about that. But he's been in the big leagues for ten years, and by now you'd think he'd have kind of come to terms with. The idea that that the rulebook strike zone is not the one that is actually in practice. So, um, first off, I'm watching uh, one of these gifs in your piece, and I notice that the uh, Masterson strikes him out, and the catcher runs off with the baseball, and the umpire just takes another ball out of his his ball bag and tosses it to the mound. Mm. Uh, does the catcher no longer roll the ball out to the mound? Is that a, <laughs> just a completely dead tradition? I don't know. I didn't notice that. Yeah, he just it, the catcher just takes off with the ball. I mean, hmm. it's theft. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, certainly it's a waste of baseballs. Um, so, uh, I was trying to think about whether I think that, um, umpires would hold this against him. And I don't obviously know, but I'm based on what I know about umpiring culture. And there are a couple of things at play here. One is that guys yell at umpires because, uh, they're trying to get the next call. And, uh, I mean, I was reading Bruce Weber's book about umpires, um, to sort of just, I was skimming it in anticipation of this. And there's a passage about the Braves when the Braves used to pitch, uh, and you know, they would, the whole game plan was to try to get more and more inches off the plate. And one of the, th- one of the strategies for this is that they would just be yelling at the umpire the entire game. And umpires hated these games. They hated it when Glavin or Maddox was pitching. They wanted the guys out of the game as quickly as possible because, you know, they were basically fighting with these pitchers over the strike zone. And if they didn't give them these pitches, the the whole dugout's screaming at them, the Mm -hmm. catcher's yelling at them. And it worked. I mean, it wasn't the case that umpires said, well, screw these guys. They're being mean to me. I'm not going to give it to them. I mean, even the umpires kind of acknowledge that, like, before you know it, you're giving them that that ground. I mean, I'm blanking on what the phrase is, but there's actually a a, uh, a, uh, phrase uh, that is in popular culture that, takes this principle and puts it in like other, you know, in, in other circumstances, like called working the umps or whatever, working the refs, something like that. There's some phrase like that, right? Do you know the phrase? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't know exactly what you're thinking of, but yeah, well, it's like what you say when people, uh, like when politicians are bad mouthing the media, they say that they're working the refs or something like that. And what they're basically doing is saying, Hey, come on, you're not giving me this call. Give me the next one. And you do it by being rude and dismissive to them. But on the other hand, umpires according to weber's book umpires also kind of see themselves as these um, moral arbiters who are tasked with kind of rewarding the good guys and subconsciously and keeping parity in the game and that's where the 3-0 auto strike comes from is the Mm -hmm. idea of keeping parity in the game so i could see if you think that the guy's a bad guy and you're subconsciously sort of you see yourself as being on the side of the good guys i could see it coming into play It'd be interesting to look at uh, not just Batista, but if you could identify some sort of group of players who might have reason to think that umpires are mad at them, such as like Roberto Alomar or Milton Bradley or mm-hmm. I don't know who else, uh, to see if calls systematically go against them. I mean, obviously you couldn't do it as well for pre-pitch FX guys, but uh, I wonder if we could ever work up a big enough group of people to look at besides Batista. But my guess is that if anything, uh, well, my guess is that the number of calls that would be changed by umpires, personal impressions of Batista would be minuscule and would be just as likely to favor him as go against him. That's my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I didn't really expect to find anything before I looked. And I mean, yeah, I can imagine if you're an umpire, uh, I, I guess it seems just as plausible to me that you would give a guy a call here and there just to avoid being yelled at and having to yell back and just the hassle of getting into an argument and getting shown up uh, and having people yell at you. Um, yeah, I could certainly see how that would lead to more favorable calls, if anything. But I think umpires are are probably pretty impartial about things. Uh, yeah, I think so too. They're major league umpires, probably in part because they're not 
holding grudges and making calls based on emotion and how they feel about particular players. So I'm sure that happens from time to time, but I would expect that they are pretty pretty professional on the whole. I would think so too. And, and I also would, would guess that Batista is not quite so um, such an outlier as he implies. I, I think that the umpires take crap from everybody all the time and that the one of the probably... I don't know, probably one of the uh, defining features of the the umpire-player or umpire-manager relationship is that everybody is condescending and dismissive toward umpires because those guys aren't athletes and they're not, um, you know, they didn't kind of, they're, they're not involved in the game in the same way. So I would imagine that the amount of abuse that they take is probably pretty brutal. Um, I also didn't realize that Batista had any of this sort of reputation around him. And I don't know that, I don't know how many other umpires did know that he had this reputation around him but the thing that he said which you quoted uh this week which is uh sometimes i have trouble more than other players dealing with my production being affected by somebody else's mediocrity (laughs) is a pretty jacked thing to say (laughs) yes and if ever a guy was going to get the short end of a stick from umpires it would be after saying that Mm -hmm. that seems like a finable offense Mm -hmm. the sort of thing that umpires will talk to each other about and it will be interesting maybe to redo this analysis in about 18 months because uh that's a jerky thing to say yeah yeah i wasn't really aware uh of his history of doing this before this year uh but apparently it has been going on for a couple years and has has drawn attention in the past um primarily since jose batista has been a player that people are interested in Uh, I, I, it's probably likely that he has always been like this going back to 2004, I guess was his first season, but no one paid any particular attention to Jose Batista back then. So since he has become a a prominent player, it has been more notable and people have talked about it more and it has made more news. Um, so probably not that, that big a deal in the end but it's uh, something that people can write columns about and I can write a blog post about. And we can talk about it on our podcast. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the end of our podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with episode 177. Emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com for Wednesday's show. And we hope you have a nice day of watching baseball tomorrow. I have one closing observation. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember uh, over the winter... I think it was a listener email show. Someone asked uh, who the next person to get the Chipper Jones treatment would be with the, yeah, the farewell that. gifts and, and the and the being celebrated in every ballpark he goes to. And I yeah. think we, we concluded that it would be Rivera, right? I think, mm-hmm. or he was Probably. the most likely. And it is, mm-hmm. it is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he received a display, uh, a photo display of him pitching at Tiger Stadium and Comerica Park with glass bottles containing dirt from the pitcher's mound (laughs) at both ballparks. (laughs) So I hope that the gifts get crazier and crazier as the season goes on. All right. right. I have no more things to say. Okie doke. See ya.